Ineffably Yours, Part 1, by Secondhand News. Chapter 33, White Christmas, read by Quanin. Summary. I have literally no idea what I'm doing, Curly confessed, pulling the gravy-stained apron over his head to reveal his own Christmas jumper, chosen lovingly by Azarafel, who declared he would look just adorable in it. Christmas Day, 2019, The Love Nest, Soho Christmas morning at Soho dawned with that ethereal glow of freshly fallen snow. Soft drifts lined the streets, gently banked up on the windowsills, ready for the world to pull back their curtains and laugh in glee at the rarest but most wonderful of sights, a white Christmas. The newsreaders that morning called it a last-minute gift from Father Christmas. More unsavory world leaders used it as evidence that global warming couldn't possibly be a thing. But it all came back to an angel and a demon standing at a 12th floor window on Christmas Eve, hands curled around glasses of spicy mulled wine as they looked up at the sky and willed the most elusive Christmas miracle into existence across the city of London. Happy Christmas! Azarafel opened his eyes while it was still dark outside, felt Crowley stir next to him as he rolled onto his side. Happy Christmas, Angel. He leaned across to meet Azarafel halfway in a kiss, cocooned under a mass of blankets, softly lit by the rhythmic flash of golden white lights that were draped messily over the Christmas tree that stood, vaguely slanted, in the corner of the room. Crowley had done it to ignite Xerophel's fretting about neatness, if he was honest, which was something he found unspeakably adorable. He'd rampaged through the flat, sweeping Christmas cheer over every conceivable surface. There was no order to his festive mayhem, no color scheme, not much of anything other than tinsel and glitter and so many flashing lights that it was a possibility that the love nest could be seen from space. To his surprise, Azarafal hadn't raised the entire building to the ground when he walked in two weeks previously to find Crowley literally hurling fistfuls of red and green glitter into the air in order to festive up the rug in the living room. In fact, what he had done was stride across the room to kiss Crowley with a passion that had left the demon's head spinning. He hadn't even rolled his eyes when he noticed the angel on top of the tree had been replaced with a porcelain devil in a Santa hat. A perfectly mundane Christmas, that's what they decided. After all, it was their first Christmas together, the first Christmas either of them had celebrated at all, in fact. In the past, Crowley had tended to sleep through the weeks surrounding Christmas, giving heaven a reprieve from demonic mischief and allowing Azarafel free reign to spread peace and joy and good feeling wherever he desired. They lay in bed, blankets kicked back, Crowley's back against the headboard, and Azarafel's head resting in his lap, while the demon absent-mindedly played with his hair. As the sun threatened to make an appearance, and London began to wake up, excitement wound its way through the building as more and more families peeked out of the windows to see the snow. Shrieks of delight were accompanied by footsteps thundering through the corridors outside the flat, 
children scrambling to get out into the street as quickly as possible just to make sure that it was real. It really had snowed. We did that, Azarafel murmured the words into Crowley's thigh, smiling happily as the demon's fingers raked gently against his scalp. Seem to do a lot of good when we work together, don't we? Celestial dream team, Crowley laughed, closing his eyes and listening to the joy radiate through the building. Something good, something to make people happy for once. Tradition, Azarafel explained, bustling back into the room and handing Crowley a delicate flute of Buck's fizz, the fresh smell of oranges rising in the air. In the other hand, he held a plate of bacon sandwiches teetering precariously on top of each other. Buck's fizz and bacon sandwiches. Never heard of that one before. Well, it's our tradition now. The angel slipped back into bed, taking a swig from his glass as he did so. Just like snow on Christmas morning, and waking up with you, and trying to find the most awful Christmas jumpers possible. Speaking of which, Crowley tugged open the drawer of his bedside table and pulled out a neatly folded jumper. He passed it to Azarafel and leaned back to watch his reaction, unable to hide a smile, as the angel excitedly unfurled the jumper and looked on in horror. Crowley! Azarafel slapped him gently on his bare chest, tried to keep up the appearance of disapproval, as he took in the jumper's knitted Santa figure with flashing red LEDs for eyes, the cheerily stitched text across the front that bore the ominous message, He sees you while you're sleeping. He slipped it over his head and turned to face the demon. How do I look? Positively devilish. Crowley ran a finger along the neckline of the jumper, hooked it over and tugged gently on the soft fabric to pull a Zerophel close to him. If heaven could see you now. Wish they could, Azarafel breathed the words against Crowley's neck, his jaw, and finally his lips. Can you imagine the look on Gabriel's face? Christmas morning in bed with a demon? The demon, I think you'll find. He laughed, fingers pressing Azarafel's shoulder down against the mattress as he swung one leg lazily over the angel's hips, his other hand reaching down to slide up under the jumper fingers trailing gently over the warm skin of his stomach. Time for one more tradition before you have to go? I'll be back soon, Azarafel had promised, leaning in for one final kiss before he shrugged into his coat and left Crowley alone to prepare lunch. Work never stopped for angels, especially not at Christmas, but Azarafel had decided to take it easy that day, be selfish for once, just a few quick miracles he'd said popping on the cream tartan rim Santa hat Crowley had given him that morning. There had been a rule of one present each. It had to cost less than five pounds, and it wasn't allowed to be functional. It had to be fun. Crowley had thought that a tartan-clad Santa hat ranked pretty low on the functional scale. But Azarafel had taken a worrying shine to it. In fact, it was wholly possible it might become part of his regular attire. Crowley had made a mental note to find a hiding place for it, to lay dormant until the next festive season arrived. Azarafel's gift to Crowley was nothing if not on brand. He'd unboxed the Christmas cactus with a look of abject glee on his face, 
had traced a finger along the verdant trailing limbs and felt the velvety soft pink petals that bloomed just in time for Christmas each year. Angel, this is perfect! Azurafel had beamed at his reaction, then took the plant pot out of his hands and hopped out of bed, promising to find the perfect spot for it. It was only a moment later, when Crowley was staring up at the ceiling, wondering how it was possible for a day to be so crammed with happiness before mid-morning, that he heard Azarafel's voice filter in from the other room. Look at you, darling. You're radiant. And you. Is that a new leaf I see? Spectacular. You really are such a Zarephel. Yes, my dear? Azarephel stopped dead. Dropping his hand from the plant he'd been busy praising, he turned to face Crowley, his expression one of somebody who had absolutely no idea why their name might have been just hissed into the ether. No idea at all. Were you cooing over the plants? Crowley took two languid steps toward him, looking accusingly from Azarafel to the Eshaveria he had been speaking to. You know how I feel about cooing. I wouldn't dream of it. No cooing here. Here, take the mister. Do some scowling. Azarafel handed him the plant mister, smiling innocently, but Crowley could have sworn he saw him turn and wink at the plants when he thought he wasn't being watched. Crowley was singing along to driving home for Christmas and giving the gravy a final stir when Azarafel returned from his morning of work nose red, and cheeks flushed from the frosty air outside. Ready in five minutes, he called over his shoulder, as the Zarephel slipped into the bedroom, closing the door hastily behind him. Unusual, Crowley thought. But then the timer for the potatoes went off, and he turned his attention back to lunch, turning the volume on the speakers up a notch. One of the side effects of not hibernating through Christmas season was the discovery of Christmas music, something Crowley had developed a real penchant for. His carefully crafted playlist of Christmas songs had been the Love Nest unabated soundtrack since December had arrived, and he was almost word-perfect. Azarafel had slipped some carols on there, naturally, and Crowley tried his best not to skip them, at least not when the angel was in the flat, lest he'd come tutting out of the bedroom inquiring why O Come All Ye Faithful had been skipped in favor of Fairy Tale of New York. Right, what can I do? Azarafel appeared in the kitchen doorway, dressed in his Christmas jumper, Santa hat skewed on his head. Good God, that smells incredible. I literally have no idea what I'm doing, Crowley confessed, pulling the gravy-stained apron over his head to reveal his own Christmas jumper, chosen lovingly by Azarafel, who declared that he would look just adorable in it. The thick red jumper was covered in fluffy green and white pom-poms, while the knitted cartoon robin dressed as a Christmas pudding that was emblazoned across the front was the star of the show. They ferried the huge golden turkey and heaving bowls of potatoes and stuffing and vegetables to and fro until the little dining room table set up by the living room windows was groaning under the weight of it all. Chuck us one of those doubles on horseback, Crowley asked, reaching out his fork to spear one of the bacon-wrapped dates that had taken him far longer to assemble than he cared to admit. It was worth it, though, the mouthful of salty sweetness bordering on intoxicating. 
No angels on horseback, I notice, Azarephil commented, smiling teasingly as he popped a fork full of turkey into his mouth. Crowley had considered it, thought it would be festively saccharine to have both angels and devils nestled side by side on the plate. It wasn't until he looked up the ingredients and discovered the dreaded oysters were involved that he decided to make the side dish purely demonic. Can you pass me the after eights? Azarephil paused as he heard a small sniffle disguised as a cough come from the other end of the sofa, where Crowley was curled up around a box of chocolates, eyes conveniently hidden under his sunglasses as the credits of the snowman rolled on the TV. Crowley, are you? I'm not crying, he snapped. Thrust the dark green box into Azarephil's lap. Azarephil reached under the blankets to rub his calf, trying not to smile. It's all right if you were. Apparently, only the most stony-hearted humans can make it all the way through without shedding a tear. It's the music that got me. Wasn't crying, though. He waited until he was sure Azarephil wasn't looking and ran a quick finger under each eye before taking off his glasses. Since when were you so stony-hearted anyway? Let's not forget the day you got misty-eyed over that caterpillar on the windowsill. Since I cried over the ending every year since 1982. Never miss a snowman. That's the one tradition I've managed to keep up all these years. There's a sequel, too. We'll stick that on later. Might want to hank you for that one. Crowley gave him a withering look, reached out to take another chocolate from the box that was now more empty black wrappers than anything else. Before he took a bite, Aziraphale held up a finger as if he'd just remembered something terribly important. Before that, one last thing I have to give you. Angel? Crowley rolled his eyes. Less than five pounds, we promised. Aziraphale gave him a satisfied smile, raising one eyebrow as he headed for the bedroom. This didn't cost a penny. A moment later, Crowley heard Aziraphale call his name gently across the room turned to find the angel walking slowly out of the bedroom with the chubby midnight black puppy squirming in his arms. It's just for today, I'm afraid, he murmured apologetically. Have to give him back tomorrow, but I thought perhaps as it's Christmas, well, this is Barnaby. Azarephal knelt down, opened his arms, and let the puppy stumble free. His long black tail trailed behind him as he took a few tentative steps forward. Huge black ears, almost, but not quite, stood to attention, one flopping over as he galloped across the room towards Crowley. A Seraphel? Crowley looked up in disbelief as he crouched low to the ground, stretching out one trembling hand. Let him come to you, A Seraphel said encouragingly, settling down on the sofa and watching as Barnaby tripped over his own feet and tumbled to the ground, a tangle of paws and black fluff. He righted himself, and then, as if it was the most natural thing in the world, trotted up to Crowley and sniffed his hand. The first sensation that Crowley felt was a damp nose snuffling against his palm, followed by soft whiskers tickling his skin, and then, finally, the tiniest lick against the back of his hand. He looked across at Azarephel in wonder, eyes wide and nervous as he carefully brought his other hand down to stroke Barnaby's soft fur from his neck down to his shoulder.
The puppy barked happily in response, tail whipping back and forth as he barreled into Crowley's lap and rested two black paws on his thighs, head straining up to reach the demon's face. He's so soft. Crowley stroked him once, twice more, laughing in glee as the puppy tried to scramble up on the front of his jumper to lick his face. He slid both hands under the puppy's armpits to gingerly pick him up, felt the wriggling weight of him as he paddled forwards with two paws and licked his cheek. Angel, how did you? How? Aziraphale joined them then, sitting cross-legged on the floor, as Barnaby knocked Crowley off balance and sent him rocking backwards onto the floor, head resting on Aziraphale's knee as the puppy found a comfortable spot on his chest and laid down paws draped on either side of the demon's neck. Let's call it a Christmas miracle. As Urfel leaned down, pressed a kiss to Crowley's forehead that was cut short by Barnaby barking excitedly in the angel's ear. Happy Christmas, my love. Crowley was in love. With Azurafel, of course, but also with the dark-eyed, furry little menace called Barnaby, who had resolutely refused to leave his side all afternoon. Wherever Crowley went, Barnaby followed, cantering alongside him like a miniature shadow. Aziraphale watched them from the sofa, hand warmed by a glass of mulled wine that conveniently never ran empty, heart warmed at the sight of Crowley's blissful smile, beyond any realm of happiness he'd ever seen. He'd waited all that time for something so simple, and it filled Aziraphale with emotion that was somehow both joyful and heartbreaking. Angel, look! Crowley curled one hand around Aziraphale's knee while the other held a hastily miracled dog treat up to his chest. Barnaby, sit! The puppy looked from Crowley to the treat, then from the treat to Crowley. Finally, he plopped onto the ground, back legs splayed as his tail thumped in between them. I think he might be a genius. Crowley tossed him the treat, which he did not, in fact, catch in the air. It ricocheted off his nose, but he found it eventually, hoovering his way around the floor until he came across it. He reminded me of you, Azarafel said dreamily, as Crowley scooted across the floor until he was sitting back against the edge of the sofa, the angel's arm dangling around his shoulders. In front of them, Barnaby was locked in a fierce battle with a stray fly that buzzed around his head. So sweet. Look at him. By the time the sun had set on another Christmas day and the moon had raised her head, Crowley and Aziraphale were spread-eagled on the sofa, Barnaby curled up on the demon's lap. As they drank their way through too much mulled wine and ate their way through an inhuman amount of cheese and biscuits, It's a Wonderful Life played on the TV. Neither had seen the film before, but it had topped a poll of the all-time greatest Christmas films, so they decided to give it a go. Preposterous, Aziraphale scoffed through a mouthful of Stilton, spraying cracker crumbs into the air. Do you reckon he was a principality? Crowley asked, his words running at each other on account of the miraculously refillable wine. Angel, second class. That's what they said. Is that what you are? You cannot earn the title with a single act, honestly as if it was that simple. And we're third sphere, thank you very much. 
Sarah Fall always huffed when humanity simplified heaven's overly complex angelic hierarchy. Curly found the whole business hilarious, made it a side mission to expose the angel to as much erroneous angelology as possible. By the time a bell rang out on the TV screen to announce that an angel had just earned its wings, all three occupants of the love nest were dozing on the sofa, lit solely by the faint blue glow from the DVD menu. Curly woke with a start from a dream he wished to forget as soon as he opened his eyes, gently stroked Aziraphale's cheek to rouse him. Hmm? Aziraphale stirred, head inclining down to meet Crowley's touch. He looked up to find Crowley standing over him, Barnaby flopped and sleepy against his chest. Carry me as well. When you're this cute, I'll carry you anywhere. Hey, Aziraphale called after him. I take offense to that. Crowley appeared in the doorway a moment later, a wicked grin on his face. Be careful what you wish for, Angel. Crowley, what are you... Aziraphale was cut off mid-sentence as the demon stooped low to reach one hand under his thighs and the other around his back. No, 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 no. What are you doing? Put me down. His feet left the ground as Crowley smoothly swung him into the air and jostled him slightly until he was tucked against the demon's chest, like any self-respecting angel sharing his first Christmas, shacked up with an infernal enemy, should be. I believe, Crowley paused to stagger a couple of steps forward, that this is another tradition we missed out on when we moved in here. Azurpho laced his fingers behind Crowley's neck and allowed himself to be carried judderingly over towards the threshold of their bedroom. He chose to ignore the faint puffing sounds coming from behind his head. Before you say anything, it wouldn't have been so laborious if you hadn't done such an excellent job with lunch and the dessert, and the cheese board. Not laborious at all, Crowley's words came out as a breathless pant, like carrying a feather, perfect, just as you are. I wish we could keep him, Crowley whispered, running a finger across Barnaby's head to smooth down a stray lick of fur. The puppy had curled up in between them, yawned widely, and settled down to sleep, looking as peaceful as any angel as he snored softly in the darkness. Aziraphale reached carefully over the puppy's sleeping body to cup Crowley's face in his hand. In another life, we'd have a house full of them. More puppies than you could count. The neighbors would think we're mad. We'd be those two strange fellows who always seem to be smiling, followed around by a pack of dogs. Crowley smiled at the idea thinking it sounded a lot like paradise. They weren't in paradise, though. Not yet. This was reality. By morning, he'll be scared of me, won't he? I'll take him back before you wake up. Aziraphale's lips found his in the dark, kissed him softly, wondered if it was possible to ever grow tired of the thrill that it gave him. Aziraphale was one breath away from sleep when he heard Crowley's voice punctuate the night, quiet but steady. Angel, I've decided to do it. I'm going to apply for the R&R program. Azarafel felt his jaw clench, forced himself to take a calming breath before he spoke. He had sworn it would be Crowley's decision to make, that he would support him no matter what, 
he wasn't sure if the alternative decision would have been any better. He just knew in that moment his heart pounded with his old nemesis, fear. As if he could read his mind, and sometimes Zerifal thought maybe he could, Crowley continued, We've let fear get the best of us for so long. We have to believe this can work. I can't say goodbye to you again. Whatever we do, Crowley, we do together. As Zerifal reached out for him, their fingers entwining in the darkness, he felt the pulse in Crowley's thumb beat, 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 against his own, knew then that the demon was right. They had made it this far by refusing to say goodbye, and there was hope in that. All the millions of ways they'd held on to each other through everything. Armageddon had felt impossible to overcome when they were there in the moment, staring down evil. But they had managed it, somehow. Whether it was madness or bravery, they had to try one last time.